Podcasting from the great city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, this is the TeacherCast Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Jeff Bradbury and welcome to the TeacherCast Podcast number 11 from TeacherCast.net. Today we are very proud and honored to have with us a special guest on our show today. He's the director of the Department of Education from the great state of Iowa. Jason Glass, welcome to the TeacherCast Podcast. Hi, Jeff. I'm uh, glad to be here. I appreciate the chance to be on your show. Well, thank you for joining us. This is such a treat. Um, you actually, I don't know if you remember, you actually earned this honor by becoming the 100th Twitter follower for the TeacherCast Twitter site. Well, uh, it's one of the few things I've won in my life, but uh, what, what an honor to, um, uh, to get uh, sort of a two-for-one um, uh, treat, to get to be the 100th follower and to get to be on your show. So, uh, <laughs> lucky me. Well, thank you for being on today. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself. You're the director of education for the state of Iowa. Sure. How does that work? Yeah, well, um, each state has a, a state director in some form. Some states call them commissioners. Some states call it uh, superintendent, state superintendent. In some states, it's the secretary of education. Uh, here in Iowa, it's the state director. So uh, I'm, one of, I'm Iowa's chief state school officer. Um, and so I, I work um, uh, as the uh, sort of executive director of the State Department of Education. Here, that's the Iowa Department of Education. Um, and I also um, uh, work uh, just to advocate for education issues uh, in the state and to put together uh, policy approaches for where we think the state should go, uh, how we improve schools uh, in Iowa uh, to be the best they can for the kids that we have here. So uh, that, that's what I do now. Um, I've only been in Iowa for about, um, let's see, about eight months now. I moved here in January. Uh, and I, I was living in Ohio uh, before, working for a nonprofit there called Battelle for Kids. And uh, Battelle, with Battelle for Kids, I was working, doing race to the top work in Tennessee and Ohio, mostly around uh, what we call human capital strategies. It's all about uh, w- human capital strategies are all about how you improve the people working in schools, uh, either through uh, selection, hiring, training, supports, compensation. So there's a variety of ways to, to get at that. And so we, we sort of took a, a, the kitchen sink approach to improving um, uh, the, the people working in schools. Uh, before that, I lived in, uh, lived in Colorado. I was out there for about 10 years. I was the HR director with a school district up in the mountains called Eagle County Schools, um, which that was a real pioneer district in some of these human capital approaches. Um, I was the HR director there, and before that, I was the assessment director. I lived in Denver for uh, six years and uh, worked for the Colorado Department of Education there in several different different roles, mostly around kids with disabilities and assessments. And I worked for a uh, nonprofit there in Denver on early childhood education issues. Um, and before that, I, I grew up in Kentucky. My uh, I was a high school uh, social studies teacher. My parents are both teachers. My uh, my sister is a teacher. My brother works for Kentucky Educational Television. My wife's a teacher here in Des Moines. So this is sort of the family business for us. So it's a big honor to get to come back and work in a place like Iowa with just a huge and tremendous long-standing tradition of excellence in education. So in, in uh, I guess about 50 seconds, hopefully, that was my uh, my bio. Wow. So you've really been around the country and, and, and uh, getting the chance to see all the different types of educational systems that we have set up here. Um, Where would you say that we are in the country right now? What what is the state of education? Yeah, well, um, you know, there's a McKinsey and Company report that came out last year that did a great job talking about 
uh, the, sort of the condition of the world in education. And they, they sort of looked at um, uh, where, where are countries that are moving from basically no education system at all, or they called poor, uh, to uh, average or mediocre. Uh, where are places that are moving from mediocre to good? Where are places that are moving from good to great? And where are places that are moving from great to excellent? Um, and so I think using that sort of framework from that McKenzie and Company report, I'd say that most schools in the United States, we're in that, uh, somewhere in that good to great uh, realm. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, certainly have schools in place in just about every community in the country. We have systems to get kids into school. We do a good job um, uh, providing some uh, equity in terms of access to uh, every kid in the United States. So, so those are all real strengths. And, and uh, arguably we have a, a, you know, some screens around quality and the educator workforce. So those are, those are strengths here too. Um, uh, but are we one of the top performing school systems in the world? Well, well, the evidence would say that we're not right now. We're outperformed by several other countries around the world. And uh, what some of the work that I think we have to do in the United States now is look at look at what are some of the strategies those other high-performing systems uh, are using and, and think about what which of those make sense in the United States. What can we put in place to really accelerate this country in, in moving past that good to great to really being an excellent school school system all across the country? Are you noticing around the country or, or at least around Iowa that our schools are moving forward with our development or are we kind of stagnant right now or – where are we as far as advancing, you know, our, our students today? Sure. I, I think there is a, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a culture war going on in education right now, um, politically. Um, 30 years ago or so, the countries that are now the highest performing systems in the world, which would be the uh, Finland, uh, uh, Singapore, South Korea, uh, a couple of Canadian provinces, these countries all took our playbook. Uh, they took the United States system, adopted it, put it in place, and then went about a 20 to 30 year long effort uh, to take that playbook and expand on it and grow it. Uh, and, and they have accelerated up uh, now past the United States. Now, certainly arguments can be made that, that um, uh, some of these places have, uh, don't have the poverty issues or the social equity issues that the United States has, and, that, and that's certainly true. But I'd sort of counter that to say, you know, are there good ideas that we can learn from these other high-performing systems? And certainly there are. There are things that they're doing uh, around uh, how selective they are in their educator workforce, for example. And we ab absolutely should be learning from that. When we look around um, uh, the country now, there's this culture war going on about um, uh, kind of education reformers on one side who are arguing public schools are a disaster and a disgrace and we need to close them and privatize them and uh, hold educators more accountable and it's all about tests and uh, removing ineffective educators and evaluating people. So that's that sort of side is out there. And on the other side of that debate um, uh, is a group of uh, really, I'd characterize them as um, hardcore status quo defenders who say our schools are fine, just give us more money and leave us alone. Uh, and I think both of these uh, arguments actually set up a false dichotomy for us because our, our schools are a tremendous resource to this country. They're part of what's made this country great. We should be proud of them. We should honor the educators that work in them. But we should care about quality, too, and there are ways that our schools can get better. Uh, so so I, what, what we're trying to do here in Iowa is find a way to walk that third path. Uh, you know, can we, can we acknowledge, honor uh, the educators that we have working and the great things that our schools have done for us in the past, but also say there are 
clearly some ways that our schools can get better and think about how we uh, adopt some of those ideas from the highest performing systems and put them in place across Iowa and hopefully across the country. Now, when we look at education, um, I mean, there's so many different battlegrounds that we talk about, you know, teachers versus parents versus students versus administrators versus, you know, the, the political landscape these days. Is this something that, that you see America actually digging themselves out of, or do you feel that education is just going to stay, you know, buried in the political battles that we've been having in the last couple of years, especially with 2012 coming up? Yeah, well, a uh, great question, and I think it begins by having conversations. Uh, I mean, the, the way that you uh, you sort of set up the uh, the question uh, illustrates, uh, I, I think, a fundamental problem with the way uh, maybe we as Americans or we as human beings approach problems. It's always an us versus them configuration, uh, and it doesn't have to be. Um, uh, we should think about that really all of these groups that you mentioned, you know, parents, community leaders, teachers, administrators, unions, school boards, um, politicians, policymakers, taxpayers, all of us have an interest in better schools. Um, all of us want great schools, want a great education for our kids. And so uh, you know, I think we can sometimes get caught up in the us versus them uh, dichotomies and, and instead think about that there are really a lot of things that we uh, can stand together on, uh, and let's let's start with that. And you know, some of the issues that are more divisive, uh, for example, around say uh, teacher dismissal or teacher compensation or uh, charter schools uh, or virtual online schools. I mean, these are things that kind of get people's hackles up. Uh, instead of saying no to any of these or, or trying to cram some version of it down somebody's throat, you know, again that again us versus their paradigm. Let's think about if quality really is our outcome, if having a high-quality system is our outcome. How do all those discussions figure into leading us toward high-quality, and how can they be done uh, well? How can they be done right? And in ways that you know respect uh, the, the um, teaching profession and uh, lift up the teaching profession, try and improve it. So uh, I think we should just avoid the us-versus-them dichotomies, and we should uh, try to find the places that we, we can stand together and uh, and, and always with the, the idea that we want a high-quality education for every kid as our outcome and let all the decisions fall from that. You know, I, I think when it comes down to it and you know, all, all the grapes fall off the tree, I think everybody has the same idea, which is students first, student-centered, getting the best education out there, leading our country out the way. Um, what would you say would be the typical high school graduate? If, if you could you know, live in a perfect world and say a, a high school graduate is – how would you finish that sentence? Yeah, well, uh, we, I think the way you answer the question depends a lot on your values. Uh, some folks would say, you know, employable, <laughs> ready for uh, college or career options. Uh, so that's sort of the economic uh, side of that debate. We want to make sure that, um, uh, you know, our kids are going to have jobs and the, the prosperity of the country uh, is bound up with that as well. Uh, you know, another value system would say that we, we want kids to, uh, be advocates for social justice and be good, um, uh, be good citizens, be good people. Uh, another value system on it would say we want our students to be creative, we want them to be communicative, uh, we want them to be collaborative, uh, we want them to be able to work together with other people and build beautiful things. And, you know, it's hard to argue that any of those things aren't important. Uh, so I think, you know, what I would say is that what we want our high school graduates to look like is well-rounded, 
uh, well-meaning, uh, decent, uh, employable people. And so, it, you know, again, I think we have to push against these dichotomies of we have to choose academics versus creativity. You, you have to choose both because, um, uh, you know, academics without any creativity is, uh, uh, is just memorization and spewing out facts, and we don't need that. Uh, creativity without an academic grounding is just chaos. Um, uh, um, character without an academic grounding is uh, is just dogma. So we have to think in more sophisticated ways. That we really should be trying to think about how do we how do we get uh, kids to grow into well-rounded human beings. Uh, and that's it's a complete package. It's not just one thing or the other. That and all of these things are important, and we have to emphasize quality across the board. Nice, very nice, very well put too. Um, so. Tell me about your typical week, actually, Jason. I mean, you, you go around, you visit schools, you have a chance to talk to the teachers, the students. How, what are some of the things that you guys get to do over there in Iowa? Yeah, well, uh, it's a great job. I mean, it's, this, is, this is the greatest job in the world, uh, mm-hmm. to, to be the state director, in a, especially in a state like Iowa, with this, the kind of tradition that, that, uh, we, that we have here. Uh, so it's just been an incredible honor for me. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an appointed position. The governor appoints me here. Uh, so the governor can decide tomorrow that he wants somebody else, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go uh, uh, post my resume on Monster, I guess. <laughs> um, but typically, it, it may surprise people. I actually do what feels like a lot of campaigning, um, you know, because what I'm trying to do is advocate for schools in Iowa and advocate for what I think is the best thing for schools in Iowa. And to do that, I have to convince the educators, the parents, the students, the policymakers, the legislators, uh, the governor, uh, the business community. I have to convince them that my vision is the right one. So I spend a lot of time talking to people. I spend a lot of time going out and meeting as many people as I can. I go and visit schools, talk to educators, learn from them, listen to them, uh, and and a lot of civic groups. So I spend a lot of time doing that. I uh, spend a lot of time also um, just working through the day-to-day functions of the Department of Education. Uh, right now, uh, the, the department is mostly configured around sort of a, a, a compliance monitoring uh, view of, you know, we, we hold districts and schools accountable for how they spend their money and are they uh, serving kids in compliance with the law. And that's always going to be important. And we, we constantly have issues like that that uh, I have to dig into and, uh, find find answers to, uh, but I'm really pushing this department, and it's it's really been great to see how the people here have responded to this charge. But really push them to think of themselves as not bean counters, not accountants, not fact checkers, uh, but leaders. And leadership means that you confront. Leadership to me means that you confront important problems in creative ways. Um, and that doesn't mean just following a checklist. So I've challenged the people here to, you know, if you're working on something that's not important, then it's not leadership. And if you're not challenging that an important problem in a creative new way, that's not leadership either. So with all of your travels throughout your school districts, Jason, are you seeing teachers embracing technology or are they more shying away from it? I think, uh, Jeff, I'm seeing uh, both. Uh, and I think it's important that we recognize that uh, the technology isn't a magic bullet. It isn't a panacea. It's not something that's going to uh, cure all the uh, problems in education, but it does present an opportunity uh, for for us to expand teaching and learning in different ways than we have before. Uh, one of the great things going on here in Iowa is we have about 100 districts now that are 
in some level of what we call our one-to-one -one initiative where they have uh, a laptop or a device for every kid uh, in the school and mostly that's going from grades uh, kind of five and up uh, and that was really pi uh, pushed and pressed by a, a, a university professor here we had named Scott McLeod who's just a tremendous leader for the state but um, as we've seen that effort grow around the state we've seen uh, teachers and kids learn to explore and use the technology and devices in ways that uh, they didn't even think was possible when, when we first started. Um, but we have also seen um, uh, educators and kids really struggle with it too. And the initial first step is really we're just sort of cramming paper down wire. Uh, we're not really doing anything different. It's just delivering worksheets through a digital format. But what we see is a after a year or two, that once the kids and the educators start to understand the capabilities, we see connectivity, interaction, access of content uh, that is uh, sort of exponentially better than what we've had in the past. So uh, I think we're struggling with this new innovation right now, but uh, I see it taking hold, and we're really just scratching the surface of what the capabilities are. You know, with, with, with TeacherCast, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of good teachers coming on the program as well as administrators. And it seems like we kind of have this little yin and yang. You either have a budget problem where you're constantly paying for new RAM and upgrading your computers and, and netbooks and laptops and iPads, or the flip side is your school isn't technology-oriented and you're paying for things like paper and ink and copy machines. Um, where do you see us going and, and, and how can we you know, work within a shrinking budget that all schools are having right now? Yeah, well, I think it's a priority question, um, so, and it's an inevitable um, uh, move question, too. I mean, the, the move toward uh, digital devices uh, and an electronic landscape of, uh, of content and interaction between student to student, student to teacher, uh, teacher to parent, student to parent, that, that move is going to happen. Uh, and so we have to decide, are we going to be John Henry, you know, the, the old story of the, uh, the guy who tried to beat the uh, a rail leg machine uh, with how fast he could do it by hand. And he did beat the rail leg machine, but he actually killed himself doing it because uh, the machine just keeps coming and keeps getting better. Uh, so we have to decide, are we going to be education technologies, John Henry, or are we going to keep trying to get in front of this problem? Uh, when really the, the transition is going to be inevitable, and we have to think about uh, how we make the move. So, you know, if we stop buying uh, textbooks um, and we stop putting in um, uh, computer labs, the economies of this have just about gotten to the point now that you can go to a one to one device uh, for every kid uh, for about the same price. Uh, so we're just about at that tipping point now, and that's just going to continue to move in that direction. So I think, I think the change is inevitable, inevitable over to uh, the digital side, uh, but I think we, we do have to be uh, uh, cautious and uh, thoughtful about how we make this move and how we keep teaching and learning at the forefront of the conversation. And when you say one-to-one -one device, what is that one-to-one -one device? Is it, a, is it a desktop? Is it a notebook? Is it an iPad? What, what are you seeing stu uh, schools embrace these days? Sure, all of that, plus uh, smartphones. Uh, and, you know, wh who knows what the next thing that's going to be invented is. Um, so all of these are, are options that we see out there. They all have different strengths and, and uh, weaknesses. Uh, but, you know, the important thing is you, you want to uh, – what we see happening uh, is 
uh, kids are having a, a device that allows them access to the internet and therefore access to the world. Uh, and that brings in good and bad things. And so uh, part of what our responsibility is as educators is helping kids understand that there are good and bad things out there. And when they leave our schools, they're going to interact with a world with good and bad things out there. And, and they, we need to be preparing them uh, for the digital world, not just the world that was our past, the, ed the educators' past. Well, we have to think about what is their future going to be like. And their future involves a digital presence in, in a digital world. Uh, so we have a responsibility, I think, to, uh, to educate kids about how to use these devices, whatever format they take on. You know, I, I assume that you, you're in good communication with the other directors of education throughout the country, right? Well, we have a, a national organization called the Council of Chief State School Officers, so yes. And, and where, at your level, where are you guys with the idea of cell phones in classes? I, I've had people come on and say cell phones are bad, they're this and that. Um, my personal philosophy is I don't call it a cell phone, I call it a, an, an internet device. Because right on, you know, in front of them, the kid can do anything that they want to, probably better than the desktop that's sitting in their room. Um, but we're not allowed to let those kids bring those cell phones that have like calculators on them into their SAT classes. Um, where do you see us going with uh, personal devices like this? Well, I, I, I see uh, the current state is all over the place on it, but mostly uh, fear-based and reactive of, of saying, let's keep them out. Um, uh, for out, out of fear of their misuse uh, or their abuse or, um, uh, or or even in places that try to do it, the underuse of them. Uh, so, I mean, these devices are just a tool. They're, they're just a, a, an implement to get to an end. And so, you know, any tool can be uh, misused, it can be abused, and it can be underused. And so uh, it, it's all about the way you use it. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, I, I think, again, it's, a, it's an inevitable uh, place that we're going to get to where these devices are so ubiquitous. They're just everywhere. And so we might as well think about how we can harness their capabilities rather than trying to build up walls to keep them out. Because you're just not, we're just not going to keep them out. Uh, so we have to start thinking about how we engage uh, in using these in productive ways. Kids shouldn't have to surrender technology and go back 20 years in terms of uh, technological advancements when they enter the school building. So we have to think about uh, how, do we, how do we keep teaching and learning primary uh, in our, in our um, approaches, but also think about how we capture and use the, the uh, capabilities that these devices bring. Hmm. And piggybacking onto that, let's, let's t go into one of our hot topics that we like to talk about here on the podcast is social media. You know, we have things like Facebook, Twitter, Google+, um, wh where are you on all of these things? Sh should, we, should teachers and, and school districts be using social media to uh, connect with the uh, community? Well, uh, uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, and again, these all present an, an avenue, an opportunity uh, for people to connect and learn from each other. I mean, there is, there is certainly a dark side to this. And, you know, the, the downside, the abuses of this with uh, sexual predators or uh, unethical educators who are taking advantage of kids uh, you know, that's out there. You know, it's actually worse than any of us can even imagine. I mean, we should just come out and say that the potential to abuse these things is, is worse than any of us could even make up uh, uh, in like an episode of Law and Order or something. Uh, the reality far exceeds uh, the, the fiction uh, in terms of how bad these things can be. Uh, but they also bring us tremendous opportunity. Uh, and 
and I think um, we're going to have we're going to have kids. We're going to increasingly have educators that have a, an online digital presence via uh, Facebook or Twitter or a blog site or, or any number of other things that haven't even been invented yet. And so what we have to do is think about you know how how does how do ethics translate to the digital side? How does character translate to the digital side? Um, and uh, so again, how do we harness the capabilities of all these connectivity options uh, while at the same time trying to educate kids and educators and the community and parents uh, on their dangers? Uh, so we want to create safe, nurturing environments where kids can thrive, but also harness the capabilities that these devices uh, and uh, all these uh, social media options that you've mentioned bring us. Do you, do you feel that we should still be teaching some of the basic things in school? I mean, there, there was a big ar- argument over, you know, some of the states are trying to ban cursive writing. Um, where are you on things like, you know, should we be teaching long division, cursive handwriting, all these older skills? Sure. Well, I think um, uh, there's a balance uh, here. So, you know, at some point, the old way of doing things uh, doesn't make sense uh, to learn anymore. Like, uh, uh, Jeff, I don't don't know exactly uh, what your age is, but I'm guessing that we may be of the generation that we may be of the last generation that knows what VHF and UHF was. (laughs) So, you know, we're going to are the kids that are growing up now have no idea what VHF and UHF meant or means. Uh, and, and it's going to be become obsolete information. Uh, this is this is stuff that's not going to be necessary uh, for people to know in the future. And so I think as we think about content uh, and what kids should be learning, we constantly have to be thinking about what kids are going to need for their future, not what kids are going to need from our past. And that's a lens that we have to constantly look at. Uh, in terms of our content and what we're teaching, and that's a broader question than than this technology versus not technology question. That that's a question of, of content standards, curriculum, and instruction. That we should always be going through all of those levels of of our curriculum, uh, and, and always be having a, a forward-looking view of what are what are our kids going to need in their future. Very nice. So when you're walking around school and when you're you know. Doing all your meetings, I, I assume you have an iPad. I do have an iPad. I have a. I carry an iPad. I carry a Droid phone, and I carry a BlackBerry. And my BlackBerry is my uh, work phone. Uh, my my Droid is my personal phone. And I, my iPad is is. Uh, I use it for uh, email and browsing and uh, and, and Twitter. Uh, and then I have a, a, a little MiFi device uh, that I uh, take with me everywhere, it's just so I can I can get connected to the internet anywhere I go. So uh, I, I'm a fairly uh, tech savvy person, fairly connected in person. Uh, and, and it really, I think, enables me to be a much more effective uh, state director for the state because I can, I can uh, direct and stay uh, uh, synced in with so many more things than if, if I just relied on email and the phone. Are you a mobile me user? I'm not a mobile me user. Um, uh, I, I, ha- I haven't gotten into that yet. I have to ask that question. One of the guys that I work with is a is a big mobile me person, and we whenever we get together and we podcast, we always have a mobile me rant of of you know it's, <laughs> it's leaving us. Oh my goodness, we we don't have that gallery feature. So I, I have to ask all of my guests. Um, just in wrapping up here, um, what you know, give us give us your top four or five apps that you like to use, personal business wise. And you know, I love talking to administrators about what apps they use in their school, but I'm always curious to know what kind of fun things do you like to do with your technology. Sure. Well, uh, I I uh, I'm I'm a big Twitter user user. 
Uh, and so I uh, correspond with educators all over the state, all over the country uh, using that. So that's been a great way to connect with Iowans. And we, we actually have a huge number of Iowans that are using that. Uh, so I, I use that. I, I don't do uh, Facebook, and the reason is that you, I mean you have to kind of pick which ones of these you want uh, to pay attention to. You can get overwhelmed with this stuff and just um, uh, lose track of uh, what the things you should be working on. So I have to pay attention to email uh, because it's part of uh, it's just part of how business is done now. And I uh, so I pay attention to that. I pay attention to uh, Twitter, and I, I keep an active Twitter account because uh, I want to stay connected in with people, and I use it as a, a sort of um, uh, technological professional learning community. I'm always sharing and gathering resources from that, ideas, links, uh, stories uh, uh, from Twitter. I keep a, a personal blog site as well, and really uh, that's been a powerful tool here uh, because it's changed the dynamic of, uh, of how – I interact with the media, how, how I think state directors of education can interact with the media. And by that I mean uh, I am no longer dependent on the newspaper or the television news to get my message out. Uh, I can use the internet to push out my own news, my own stories, and have my own voice heard. So that's changed the power dynamic some with the media about um, uh, who gets to tell what story. Uh, and, and I, I also uh, use all the typical productivity tools that I think most people would use, spreadsheets, word processing, uh, browsers, those sorts of things. But I would say uh, you know, I primarily spend my time on uh, uh, Twitter, uh, my blog, uh, a lot of face-to-face -face conversations still, and, e and email. Do you guys have any special uh, iPad apps that are made directly for you know, government jobs? Um, I don't uh, have any in particular. I, I use Evernote uh, quite a bit. Uh, just I, I put speeches on it. I grab ideas, um, uh, type them into that. Uh, I, I uh, uh, grab PDF files, links, throw them into that, and it's just kind of a catch-all for me. So Evernote's a great tool uh, that I use, and I also use it for my shopping list too. So uh, there's some more mundane uh, uses uses of that as well. And I, I'm really interested in um, I, with the Common Core standards that have come out in uh, reading and English language arts. I'm starting to see some really good applications come out around uh, for teachers around uh, uh, what are those standards at different grade levels and different. Uh, uh, strands and where teachers can really drill drill down and find out what those standards are and then I see the next iteration of that being you know here's here's fourth grade reading uh, here's some expectations and then it even going further and say here's some model lessons or ideas uh, that that could be linked into that too so I see the capabilities of uh, uh, applications for um, uh, unpacking uh, our common core curriculum just expanding too nice. Well, Jason, it's been a, an honor and a, absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show today. Hey, Jeff. I really appreciated uh, getting the opportunity to do it. It's been really fun, and I, I wish you the best in uh, your endeavor with TeacherCast. I think it's a great idea, and, uh, and I just uh, want to shout it from the rooftops, and let's get this thing to spread. It's exciting. Oh, thank you very much. Um, we always give you guys an opportunity to tell us how to find you guys. Uh, what's your website? What's your blog? What's your Twitter? Uh, I'm at uh, educateiowa.gov. Uh, That's the Department of Education's website. My uh, personal blog is uh, just Education Elements. And so I think if you just Google Education Elements, uh, that's my, my personal uh, blog site. 
My uh, Twitter um, uh, handle is Jason Glass, first name, last name, Jason Glass, and then IA is in Iowa. So Jason Glass IA is my Twitter handle. And uh, I'm a, I'm a follow-you-back kind of guy, so uh, anybody that uh, follows me, and if I can determine that you're not uh, some kind of fake machine or uh, or uh, uh, marketing uh, guru uh, that are seem to be thousands of them out there, I will follow you back as long as I think you're a real person. So uh, please... Uh, I'm always looking for more people to connect with uh, and, and talk education and try to make this, you know, the most important issue in our country. So uh, look forward to connecting with people on there. Absolutely. Well, once again, thank you very much for being on here, and thank you for listening to the TeacherCast podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, TeacherCast.net, to your friends and colleagues. We can be found on Twitter at the screen name TeacherCast. Be sure to check out our iTunes channel for TeacherCast podcasts, app reviews, and other blogs that are beneficial to you, the 21st century educator. If you like what you heard, please write us a great review and give us a five-star rating. This has been a TeacherCast production. Join us next time for another edition of the TeacherCast podcast. TeacherCast.